0: Just, just for the record, if anything goes wrong with that candle, they're a little bit unsturdy. There's a fire extinguisher behind the lectern here, so no one be shy if we burn the place down. So, Our scripture reading this morning, our New Testament scripture reading, is from the book of Luke. This Advent season, we're going to be in the first two chapters of Luke. Our sermon series is called Songs of Hope, as Advent is a time of expectant hope, of waiting, of eager longing for the Savior that is to come, both for ancient Israel, both for us today. The first two chapters of Luke are filled with songs that express this hope. Songs sung by the angel Gabriel that we'll see today. Songs sung by Mary, by Zechariah, by the angels who bring glory to God, speaking to the shepherds. We're going to look at these songs over over the next few weeks. We're going to focus on them, and we're going to see how Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, is the fulfillment of all of this expectation that is built up in the Old Testament. So hear these words from the book of Luke, chapter 1, verses 5 through 25. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. But they had no children, because Elizabeth was barren. And they were both well along in years. Once, when Zechariah's division was on duty, and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by Lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Many of the people of Israel he will bring back to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years. The angel answered, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will not be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words which will come true at their proper time. Meanwhile, the people who were waiting for Zechariah, they were wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple because he kept making signs to them and remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Will you pray with me once again? Lord God, Be with me as I speak. Give me the words that you have for me to say. Lord, I pray that if there's anything that I say that, Lord, is a distraction from your words this morning, Lord, I pray that you would bring it to nothing in the hearts and the ears and the minds of those assembled here. Lord, if I forget to say anything or if I skip over something that you have for me to say, Lord, I pray that you would implant that truth on the hearts of these people anyway. Let these be your words, O God, and not mine, and I pray that they would do the thing for which you have sent them out, to increase faith in the hearts of your people this morning. Bless us, O God, with your holy word. In Christ's name we pray, amen. The book of Luke proper, Uh, we looked at the introduction last week, but as the story begins, we see the story of a couple. His name was Zechariah. Her name is Elizabeth. They're priests, or at least he's a priest. She's also descended from Aaron, much like her husband was, because you have to be descended from Aaron to be a priest. They're old. The Bible doesn't say exactly how old. We just know that they're advanced in years, and that Elizabeth, you know, Zechariah's wife, couldn't have any kids even when she was young, But now that she's, you know, past a certain age, she can't have kids for two reasons. One, because she never could, and two, because she's, well, she's old. So they don't have any kids. But Zechariah is a priest who serves before the Lord. There's a couple notes in here um, that Luke mentions. Uh, He talks about, like, different priestly divisions and all that, and it's a little bit confusing what exactly that is. But if you look back at the Old Testament, there were 24 divisions of priests. Because originally, right, just Aaron and his sons were the priests, but as, you know, generations go along, the number of priests multiplies and multiplies. And so they divided the priesthood into 24 sections. Zechariah was in the section of priests descended from Abijah. He would get to go and serve in Jerusalem at the temple for at least two, two weeks a year. There were two weeks that his clan went and served in the temple. The rest of the time he would, he would live at home and do whatever he did in his off time. But this is, this is one of the weeks that Zechariah is on duty. And as many priests as there were on duty, not all of them got to go into the temple to do the priestly duties. Remember, The temple is divided into a few different places. At the very center is the Holy of Holies, the holiest place. Only one person could go in there. That was the high priest. And he could only do that once a year. Very, very off limits. That was where the presence of God dwelt. On the outside of that was a place called the Holy Place. Not the holiest place, but the most holy place. Or the holy place, right on the outside of the most holy place. The priests would go in there twice a day. They would offer incense, they would have a morning and an evening offering. And because that was such a special thing to do, the priest would draw lots to see who would get to go into the holy place. This is something that you would get to do if you were a priest, maybe once, maybe twice in your lifetime. This was the high point of Zachariah's ministry. The lot finally fell on him. We don't know how long he was waiting for this to happen. But the lot falls on him and he's the one who gets to go in and offer the incense before the presence of the Lord. It's the time of evening prayers. All kinds of people are surrounding the temple praying to God for a Savior. Zechariah, no doubt, had brought his prayers to the same place a number of times. No doubt, he had prayed for a child. He had prayed for for a son. But as the years went on, perhaps Zechariah let go of that a little bit. Maybe he occasionally prayed for it. But eventually he lost faith. But this time, when he goes into this, the temple of God to offer the incense, an angel appears to him. Just try to put yourselves in his shoes for a second. If we can zoom out for a little bit, put yourself in his shoes. Can you imagine? Biggest day of your life. You go into this room that you've never been in before. You've heard people talk about it. They, right? the, the priests give you instructions. They say, okay, when you go in, you've got to do this, this, and this. And then you finally step into this room. That's this absolutely sacred place. And just like this dude appears on your right. Just this giant angel perhaps fiery perhaps full of light i don't know we don't know exactly what angels look like but the angel gabriel just shows up and zechariah's terrified scared out of his wits so gabriel says the thing that so many angels have said throughout the bible he says don't be afraid don't worry i bring you good news and then the angel gabriel goes and sings a song we read it this morning. I didn't sing it. I'm not going to sing it. We don't know what it would have sounded like. But it's written as poetry here. Gabriel sings a song about Zechariah's son. Zechariah's miracle baby. He will have a son. And he will be used in great and mighty ways by God. His son will be John the Baptist. A man who preaches in the wilderness. A man who is used to bring people to God. Zechariah's prayers have been heard. They will have a child. Zechariah doesn't believe the angel at first. He just kind of laughs a little bit. I don't know why you would laugh at an angel that just appears. You know, you would think that if an angel pops up into the holy place where you are, you would believe them when they say something. But Zechariah asks for a sign, and Gabriel the angel says, perhaps somewhat cheekily, Well, the sign's going to be that you can't speak until you have a son. So, of course, that happens. So, Zechariah is unable to speak. But then Elizabeth gets pregnant against all odds. The angel said to Zechariah, Your prayers have been heard, God has heard your petition you will have a son. On one level, this is a story about how God has heard the prayers of a couple who were waiting longingly for a child. On another level, this is a story about how God has heard the prayers of his people, heard the prayers of those who were standing outside the temple, The angel comes to Gabriel and he says, I have come to bring you good news. The word there underneath that is a word we often translate into gospel. I have come to bring you good tidings. And this is better news than just a birth announcement. Right? It is good news when you get a birth announcement, right? When, you're, when your kids announce that they've had a child, or where another loved one says, hey, you know, we've finally given birth to our child. It's good news that you hear. This good news is deeper than that. It refers to the, the good news that's the fulfillment of all of the longing. I have come to preach good news to you. All of this longing, this desire, has been fulfilled. As I was preparing this message, I was trying to think what a good example would be of good news that we have, of, of eager longing, of eager anticipation, and I, I really couldn't think of something that's on the level of this, right? We are in a time of Advent, in a time where we were waiting for Christmas, and maybe you remember when you were a kid, you know, knee-high, longing for the day that Christmas morning would come, one of the things about, you know, getting older is that, you know, waiting a few weeks for Christmas just, it doesn't seem like a big deal. It just kind of flies by, right? But when you're a little kid, it takes forever. It's like four or five lifetimes, and you see the presents under the tree, and they're super tantalizing, and you just can't wait to open them. And you remember them every day, and maybe, maybe you were a bad kid, like some people that I know. Oh, you weren't a bad kid? Don't, don't lie to them. Don't, don't do that. Maybe you were a bad kid and opened the presents to see what you would get, and maybe your parents, if they were the wise kind, would replace whatever you had gotten with something else so that there was actually a surprise, I don't know. But we understand what it means to expectantly long for something. But the longing that the people had here is something that lasted longer than a couple weeks. It's something that lasted longer than lifetimes. You see, the people who were gathered outside of the temple praying as Zechariah went in had been gathering like that every day for centuries. There are people who went. We don't know how often they went. They probably wouldn't have gone every day. Maybe some people did. But there are people who went and prayed and died and never saw the hope of Israel fulfilled. It lasted and it lasted But they kept looking forward to this day. And the angel Gabriel comes and says, The good news that you've been waiting for, I have come to proclaim to you. God is at work. There's something in the Old Testament called the Day of the Lord. The Old Testament prophets looked forward to this day. And that's what the angel Gabriel is looking back to. I'm going to read to you in a minute passages from uh, the book of Malachi, which the angel actually quotes. But in the prophets, there's this this hope that even as the nation of Israel kind of went along and faded, as their kings became less and less powerful, as their people became more and more wicked, there was a greater and greater hope in a day that was coming when God himself would come to his people And make everything right. When all of the ones who oppressed the righteous people of God would get what was coming to them. And during the times of the prophets, Israel was under the yoke of all kinds of other empires. Assyria, and Babylon, and Persia, and Greece, and in the time of Zechariah, Rome. The people longed for this yoke to be thrown off of them. They longed for the day when the kingdom would be reestablished, when once again a descendant of David would sit on the throne and Israel would not just be a puppet state of a foreign kingdom, when Israel would not just be a puppet state of a foreign kingdom, but would actually be a sovereign nation in and of themselves. They longed for this day. They longed for the day when the ideal of Eden, all the way back in Genesis 1 and 2, is restored. When the promises that God made to Abraham, that he would bless the entire world, would finally be fulfilled. They longed for this day, and they prayed for it. The prophet Malachi looks forward to this day. The prophet Malachi talks about a prophet that would come, who would herald and announce the arrival of this day. Let me read to you from the book of malachi behold i send my messenger and he will prepare the way before me and the lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight behold he is coming says the lord of hosts and remember this is a day of judgment and liberation But who can endure the day of his coming, and who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and a fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver, and they will bring offerings and righteousness to the Lord. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord, as in the days of old and as in former years. Then I will draw near to you for judgment." I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers, against the adulterers, against those who swear falsely, against those who oppress the hired worker and his wages, against those who oppress the widow and the orphan, against those who thrust aside the immigrant and do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall, and you shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet. On the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts, remember the law of my servant Moses the statutes and the rules that I commanded him at Horeb or at Mount Sinai for all of Israel. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of their fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with the decree of utter destruction." It's not very Christmassy, is it? There's a passage just full of judgment and, you know, just these these stark images of, of this coming wrath of God. But it's important. It's important that the people of Israel, it is good that they longed for a day when God would come back. This is a day of judgment and a day of hope. A day when God would judge the oppressors, the wicked, those who took advantage of others. And a day when God would liberate the ones who are under the yoke of their oppressors. It was a day that the people longed for. But it was a day that came with a warning. And that's why God sent the prophet. Right? He says, I will send someone who is like Elijah and he will warn the people. Because when judgment's coming, you want to be on the right side of judgment. So he's going to call the people to repentance. Amen. I love having him here, by the way. This prophet is going to call people to repentance. He will say, believe the word of the Lord. Repent of your sins. Turn from them. Because when this prophet comes, the day of the Lord is coming right on its heels. So the people need to get ready. And as the people prayed daily at the temple, as priests, just like Zechariah, went in on their special day to go into the presence of the Lord and offer the incense sacrifice, they prayed for this day of the Lord. They prayed for the removal of the yoke of Rome. They prayed that God would vindicate them, that God would reward them for their love for him and for their righteousness. They longed for this day and Gabriel saying, this day is here. There are echoes through this story of significance. Zechariah and Elizabeth are barren. They are old. Just like Abraham and Sarah were barren and old. Right? The forefather of all of the Hebrew race. God came to him when he was working in a special way at a special time. In Genesis 11, the world was bleak, but then God comes to Abraham and says, no, you're going to have a son. There's echoes of that story throughout this one. We hear reference to Aaron, you know, the priest at the time that God puts into effect the nation of Israel, when God brings them from the land of Egypt. Aaron is the one who led the people into the presence of God. God used him at a certain time, in a certain place, when he was at special work in the world we hear echoes of the story of samson of samuel of angels coming and telling women that their sons are going to be used to deliver the people of israel all of these we have echoes of in this story and it's a reminder that just as god was at work in special ways then god is at work in a special way here and in this story not only does god hear the prayer of Zechariah. And give him a son. Not as cute as that one, by the way, but a son, anyway. Not only has God heard the prayer of Zechariah, but God has heard the prayers of his people. John the Baptist did indeed go before the Lord. He never had the the significance of Jesus. And we're going to look next week at Jesus' birth announcement, and we're going to see in all of the ways in which Jesus is greater than John, John is just a signpost that points to Jesus. John the Baptist said, he must increase, but I must decrease. And we don't read a ton about John the Baptist. But at the end of his ministry, as he's in prison and about to die, Jesus says this about him. In Luke chapter 7. He says, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? That's where John the Baptist preached in the wilderness. What did you go out to see? Just a reed in the wind? You go out to look at, you know, the wind blowing through some grass? No, of course you didn't. If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No. No, those who wear expensive clothes and indulge in luxury are in palaces. John didn't wear a suit on Sunday mornings. He wore camel's hair. He ate ate locust honey. He ate locust and wild honey. That's what it is. John was a rough dude. Nobody went out to see the guy that looked good in the wilderness. What did you go out to see, Jesus asks? A prophet? Yes, I tell you. And more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written. And then he quotes the passage in Malachi that we just read. I will send my messenger ahead of you. Who will prepare your way before you? I tell you, among those born of women, there is no one greater than John. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he is. And all the people, even the tax collectors, when they heard Jesus' words, acknowledged that God's way was right because they had been baptized by John. But the pharisees and the experts in the law rejected god's purpose for themselves because they had not been baptized by john john the baptist right this prophet who would go in the spirit of elijah and separate out the wicked from the righteous he would preach repentance and force people to pick a side when he actually came the people who repented and wound up on the side of the kingdom of God, were not the ones you would expect. That's a theme throughout the book of Luke. The tax collectors, the sinners, the prostitutes, repent and are brought into the kingdom of heaven. But the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, reject the message that God has for them, and they find themselves on the side of judgment as God comes in the form of Jesus. John the Baptist was this prophet that heralded this day that the people had long prayed for. I want us all to consider what our prayer is this morning the angel Gabriel said that there are two prayers that have been fulfilled in this passage. There's the simple prayer for Zechariah and Elizabeth to have a son. Simple desire. What should be simple fulfillment, but sometimes just isn't all that easy. And then there's the prayer of the people for redemption, for judgment on their oppressors, for freedom for themselves. That prayer is also fulfilled. And as we have this theme of expectant longing, of waiting for a day when everything is made right, I ask you once again, what is your prayer? Jesus Christ has already come and inaugurated his kingdom. It's already started. And we wait for the day when it comes in full, there will come a day when every single one of your prayers, this is the closest I'm going to get to being a prosperity preacher, right here. There will come a day when every single one of your prayers that is holy and true and good and right will come true, whether it's in this life or the next. We believe in a God who raises the dead We can pray for healing for ourselves. We can pray for healing for loved ones. We can pray that the world as it is would be no more and that God would bring about a more peaceful world. And whether or not we see it in our lifetimes, Zechariah certainly never saw his prayer answered when he expected that he would. He and his wife hit an age where they said, you know what, that's probably it. And though we may wait longer than we expect for the answering of our prayers, there will come a day when Christ comes back and fixes everything. He will raise the dead. He will judge the wicked and the oppressor. And he will reward those who earnestly love him. I promise you, Christians, Every one of your prayers that is good and holy and right and true will be fulfilled, whether it's in this life or the next one. God has heard your prayer. So keep praying. Keep waiting. Long for the day when Christ will come back on the day of the Lord. Will you pray with me? Lord God, we thank you that you are a God who is sovereign above all things. Lord, who holds the universe in your hand. Lord, we thank you that you sent your Son, Jesus Christ, to bring a way of salvation for us. Lord, I pray that we would keep praying, keep waiting, keep expecting, and long for the day that you will fix everything. Lord, I pray, Lord, that we would hear the words of John the Baptist, say, repent and be baptized, Lord, and that we would follow you. Pray that we would turn from our sins and seek your face above all. Be with us this morning, we pray, O oh God. In Christ's name we pray all of these things. Amen.